0: You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to be talking about career transition. Now, that may be a little bit of a departure for you guys that are out there in the entrepreneurial realm But uh, even you may have that moment when you think you need to make a shift or a change in what you're doing. And it's important to go into that transition with a plan and with some tools and some uh, equipping to uh, create the best outcome that's possible. And today, my guest is going to help us understand all of that. Her name is Gina Riley. Gina, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today.
0: I always like to start out by getting my guests to tell a little bit of a backstory kind of there some call it the story of origin but uh what has your journey in the work world been about and how did you get to this place you are right now
1: Yeah uh So really my origin story started in high school where I got exposed to leadership uh, development training and communication and relationship skills training. So throughout high school and college, I immersed myself in in, um, not only going to programs, but becoming then a trainer, um, you know, camp counselor for, for personal development programs, studied organizational communication in college because I really found my passion was in about healthy, constructive communication so that we build healthy relationships and, you know, we're able to progress in life because we communicate clearly. And so that led to a career in HR, which really um, my intention was to get into training and development because that was, you know, that's where I was heading. But there was about 10 years where I was doing staffing. I was doing I was an HR business partner after I got a master's degree. I was a partner to one of the VPs at Intel who was um leading one of our businesses um, and worked my way into training. And I had an incredible foundation. But then, um, like many of us in life, uh, I had um, a departure where I left the workforce for 15 years and I raised two sons. I was very lucky to be able to do that. I never thought I would re-enter. I just thought, okay, I'm done. Um, Turns out it wasn't quite (laughs) done. And uh, one of my uh, best friends lured me back into the workplace. She had started her own executive search firm, it's Talents Group. My friend Sherry Kitsawan, you know, asked me to come back and do some executive search, help build their interview skills training that we now teach inside corporations to teach people who are on hiring teams how to construct effective questions. Um, and then I had the springboard into helping leaders and executives through the career transition process. When I started doing my research, what I had found out there was piecemeal components. Here's how you network. Here's how you build a resume. Here's what you do for your LinkedIn profile. But when I look at it holistically, what I'm driven to do is build a process that makes that easy for people. Again, it comes down to communication. How do you get to the point where you have enough of a story ready and your career results story is ready so you can communicate effectively in interviews. Because you and I probably both know one of the biggest hurdles to anyone in an interview process, but especially a leader, is rambling in interviews. It is a deal killer, right? Right. So what I'm all about is helping people build up that story so that they're able to communicate well. But on the back end, also, creating ways to showcase your brand, to showcase your thought leadership, so you don't get stuck in your career. So it doesn't matter if you're an executive in corporate or if you're an entrepreneur who's left corporate and is now starting your own your own thing, side hustle or business, how do you make sure you're attracting the right people?
0: But- personal brand idea is a big challenge for a lot and I'm reflecting on the time that I spend in coaching for career transition with people I I don't do that as much now and I I don't even highlight it in any of my material although one of my books is all about that and uh (laughs) it um uh, the idea of personal brand was a very pivotal challenge for a lot of people and and that was definitely one of the milestones that i helped people understand is is the critical need to develop that personal brand story because if if you're trying to present yourself you've got to think sales and marketing as as much as you might disdain that idea Uh, that's what you're doing. You're selling yourself, you're selling your experience, you're selling your career to move on to that next level. So how do you typically enter into that discussion and get people to embrace that idea?
1: (laughs) Well, typically the people that end up uh, wanting to work with me have come to that realization that they are going to need to be able to tell that story and they feel stuck doing it. They've either been through interview processes and made it maybe to the top five or even the top two, and something isn't clicking. They've run up against the wall a couple of times. So that's when they are able to admit, you know, I think something isn't landing. I need to sharpen up my story. There's other people that I'll talk to who are like, well, I already know my story. I just need a resume. However, you start digging into the details of the story that goes onto the resume, and they're still not able to even tell you that story. So, you know, it's really a matter of whether or not a person is able to self-identify, I need a little bit of help. I I can see the light go out in people's eyes when I start to tell them about me. Yeah. And I'll tell you when that happens, you you get the question, tell me about yourself. You have a 60-minute interview and you're still talking 20 minutes later. There's a huge problem. Those people are on the side, like, you know, doing an Amazon search or something. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you know, and this <clears throat> idea of establishing a brand story is not just about moving companies and changing jobs, but it comes to play if you're working in a big corporate setting and you're worried about your career path there. You still have a desire to to stay with the company, but you do want to seek out normal growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. And having that brand story is something people usually just totally ignore. And um, maybe coming out of the HR realm, you you saw a lot of that yourself.
1: Yeah, I th- I think people ignore their brand story until they can't an- ignore it any longer, and a lot of times it's very confronting because it's I've been in my company fifteen years, nineteen years, twenty five years. <laughs> I've seen I've seen this, and what I hear is I haven't had to tell this story before. People internally already knew me. Um, the challenge today is we're going to see more and more of these larger companies, you know they'll they'll scale up and then they reduce they'll reduce they'll reduce by hundreds of people among the hundreds of people there's going to be a 10-20% layer of leaders in there too what happens is when people are let go in this way their competition are not not just everyone else vying for similar jobs but their own peers that got let go so now their network has shrunk because they may have had a global network inside a very large global company, but then they start to turn their attention to other opportunities and their peers are their competitors. They haven't built up their references and they certainly haven't built up the external network, which now has, has shown itself to be very, very small. So how back to your question, how are you building that know, like, and trust factor for your brand? How do people find you? Well, you have to showcase it. No one's going to do it for you. If you're the world's best kept secret, you will continue to be the world's best kept secret until you get out and you and you let it shine.
0: I'll, I'll tell a quick story. Has happened to me uh, earlier this year. I had a client that was with a large global brand Um When we started working together, she was expressing some frustration in career advancement opportunity inside the company. Mm -hmm. She had done the classic questioning every time there was a discussion, you know, what's my next step? What's my next opportunity? She was made these promises that never seemed to materialize. And as we worked together, I I told her, I said, well, I don't think you have a brand story. And we started working through that. And And the long story short, one of the tactics and strategies we deployed was we got her involved outside the company in some industry, think tanks, panels, workshops, large conferences. And it turns out she had the chops to the point of networking. She had a a reasonably robust network of really credible experts in that field. So she could easily turn to them and get invites to be on panels and present papers and things. So she started doing that. Her LinkedIn blew up and she got a call one day from inside her company that said, you've turned into kind of a big deal. Maybe we need to talk about you know hanging on to you and seeing where you want to go and what you want to do. And, uh, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about pretty high profile in this industry and I'm not going to give a lot of details for fear of giving away the story, but I mean, we're talking panels like at MIT and Harvard and Boston college and places Mm -hmm. like that, where this particular expertise is showcased on a regular basis. And, um, So it was a very circuitous way to get her own company's attention that she was a big deal. And if they liked her and wanted her, they needed to do something about it. So
1: that is an awesome story. So it's so relevant and it's exactly the kinds of things that I'm talking with my clients about too. In fact, I talked to someone just yesterday, a senior leader who is on the cutting edge of what what he does um, in in the industry and his functional area of expertise and just coming off of a certification course um, with uh, in, in that lane of expertise and had made a number of contacts at other big global companies where they've kind of started to think tank, if you will. And so my recommendation was, you, you might want to consider building a consortium of people who are on the cutting edge of what he, because he's trying to position himself for a, a, a CXO role within this functional area that's never happened at this large global company. So if he goes and does that, and then this consortium is able to put out, generate white papers in conjunction with the big university, you know, that, that had the course it's going to do exactly what you just said. It's, he's going to need to, he'll be speaking, he'll be writing, he'll get noticed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, let me ask this. So do, so do you have your own sort of framework that you show people about how to structure and, and maybe go so far as to call it a process for getting them through a transition?
1: Oh, definitely. I definitely do. I I start with the person because when we start with, with just, let's say, a, a resume, there's all this foundational stuff that happens before you can even write, I think, an effective resume. Can a resume be drafted without what I'm doing? Of course. But the issue is if someone else is writing your resume and you haven't done the front end work, then you can't speak to it with clarity. So what I'm no. doing is I'm first building up people's story like you're talking about. Who are they, right? What makes them tick? I start with um, an assessment. It's called the UMAP Career Profile Assessment. I get their top five strengths from StrengthsFinder. I get their top values. And we talk about how those values relate to their career choices. We find out what skills motivate them and burn them out. And then we do it in a personality assessment. And what we're doing is we're going to build a narrative around how they show up in the world and what's important to them. Now I know who they are. Then the next thing I do is I use a leadership assessment to tease out how do you lead people and teams during times of change and transition? Now I have language about th- how they believe that they lead so that they can start infusing that into their interview stories. So then we're building, you know, we're building up the brand and the brand messaging by first unpacking who they are and they can absolutely buy into it because it's all of their own words. Then we move into resume development. We take all of that and we update the entire LinkedIn profile. Now we're showcasing who do you serve? How do you serve? (laughs) What do you believe in? What do you want to showcase in your mark? I call it your marketing storefront window. What shiny thing are you going to put in the window that makes people want to call you? So we're kind of building up all of that. And then we work on job search strategy and networking and thought leadership.
0: Right. It's amazing how many people get that upside down, especially back to the corporate setting when somebody has a a transition moment, either voluntary or involuntary. They find themselves in the need to, to go for a job hunt. Mm-hmm. they they inevitably go to their computer and pull up their old resume and start tweaking the resume and, you know, updating and doing things like that. And I am 100% online with you. You've got to start with that foundational review of who and what you really are first. Mm-hmm. You know, what? what do you think your sense of purpose is at this point? Have, have you visited that in a while? Have you taken a hard look at what does motivate you and turn you on? And mm-hmm. one tactic I used in my career transition coaching days was I made people create what we called an accomplishments inventory. Mm-hmm. And to this is not writing the chronological history of job uh, work, but It's about thinking about the things you did along the way and make a list of those things as accomplishments. And then you can always go back and look at that list and you can sort of check off, well, this one was really exciting. I was really motivated. I wish I could do this all the time. And there were other things. They were good accomplishments. But you say to yourself, I hope I don't ever have to do that again. And you start to see a pattern in a picture of what an ideal job could really look like.
1: I love that.
0: And then you can start this other work of building a story to say, this is me. This is who I serve. This is what I do. This is how I can bring value. And in in the, I have a six part plan that I use with people and, writing the resume is step 3 it's not 1 and 2
1: <laughs> i think you and i talked about that previously for yeah. for me within my model it's step it's step 6 um, but we probably have some sliding scale of doing similar things within the, pro- <laughs> the right. process. But when people show up at my doorstep, so to speak, and they're like, I need a resume. I'm like, okay, that's step six. Do you want to do the other stuff? Or do you just need a referral to one of my writing partners? You know, cause that's, I'm not serving people as well. Um, what I would say is you can do interview prep because there's ways to do prep prepping for interviews, but you're still uncovering the stories that should have been on the resume in the first place.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, exactly. you know, yeah. it can be done.
0: Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and dive in and talk a little bit about the interview part. That That is a place where people frequently struggle and you alluded to some of the anomalies and challenges, but how, how do you like to shape up a resume, I'm, I'm sorry, an interview strategy with people?
1: Yeah. So one thing that I typically don't do I d- and don't usually need to is, a, is do a mock interview because it feels a little bit um, fabricated in some ways. Instead, what I'm doing is teaching the leaders that I work with how to fish. I'm teaching them how to prep for that interview process so that they can repeat it again and again. And I'll do it with them a couple of times. How do I do it? I'm breaking it down and um, just creating a fresh document with the entire um, job description. And I'm highlighting and bolding the things that they say about themselves. Our culture is what we need this person to do what in the role overall, the overall thing. And I ask questions of my client. How have you done that? How does that tie to your values? Whatever. Then we pick apart all the bullets about the outcomes of what that role should be you know doing to serve the organization. And with my interview skills training hat on, I reverse engineer it and I come up with competency or behavioral based questions. And then my clients will build their source stories right around that directly tied to um you know the job. And so when they build those, that's what we're reviewing together. So oftentimes they'll, I'll say, okay, I'll ask the question out loud. They will respond and tell me what they've written. And then I help them pare it down. Because most of the time there's all these peripheral, you know, details that don't matter and yeah. the interviewer is going to go to sleep. So I'm that second set of eyes and ears going, okay, let's shave this down. Or I have probing questions. I don't understand this. You didn't explain this very well. So we sharpen it. Now, what happens is they start to build a repository of all their best stories, because eventually, a couple job descriptions later, they're going to have all the stories they're going to need for years to come until they build more stories. So it's a way for them to learn how to do it for themselves, have me as a guide, but then what I say is like once people have um, finished with my program, moved on to another job, the only t- time people come back to me is they'll say, can we do a two hour interview prep? Here's the job description. Do do your thing. <laughs> so we go through that, but you can easily reverse engineer it. Now, at the leadership level, you should be doing intensive homework before interviews anyway. You need no. to go listen to, you know, read the quarterly reports, listen to what the um, the company execs are saying in their you know, public recordings about the state of the company. Um, Go look and see what kind of press that the leadership team has gotten. Make some guesses and assumptions about where things are heading so you can add intelligence into your questions in the conversation.
0: How do you help people avoid the the rambling dialogue once a door gets opened or or, or they kick it in?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, we're doing... We're doing most of that work on that front end. If they get conversations and interviews, then we just kind of catch it as catch can. But what we're doing is getting all those stories ready. So by the time they get in front of the right people that they're ready and it's sharp. Um and what my clients will tell me sometimes is they'll start to tell these stories and realize they could sharpen it even further because they can hear it. Now they're here, they kind of hear me in the back of their mind too. Like, oh, Gina probably wouldn't like that, you know? Um So it's first getting the stories out of your brain, out of your mouth, getting it onto paper. Now you can review it and you can shave it down.
0: It is so difficult for many people when they're sitting for those interviews to know when to turn it off or or know what to pack in. And so many times uh, I, I can think back on clients I was working with, we would start having these discussions and, uh, you know, just the classic question, tell me something about yourself. They, you know, they're all over the landscape.
1: Yeah. So the tell me about yourself is the most commonly asked question I would imagine. And it is one where you can make or break the entire, that's the tone setter, right? So what I am what I do with my clients is I first have a session with them where for two hours, they download their whole career story to me. They tell it to me, starting with their education all the way to today. And I take probably eight pages of notes. I slim that down into a narrative and I throw out all the blah, blah, blah. And then we take that. So here's like a tip for your listeners who need to do this. Take that and develop three columns just a word document three three columns what was happening in your first second and third of your career in bullet points based on your story what was really happening what jobs were you getting you know what were you learning what responsibilities were you incrementally taking on then you take that and pare it down one more time into the tell me about yourself okay you know, I'm educated in a tech with a tech degree, but then I morphed my way into tech sales, and now I do you know sales and marketing leadership. What I'm and now what I'm really passionate about is what, you know. So at the end of the tell me about yourself, I want my clients to say um, to the interviewer, okay, based on what I've told you so far, what I'm really excited about with this opportunity is what, and trying to guide the conversation into the interview versus done. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You asked me a really great question that I feel like I didn't totally answer, which was about rambling. One way to check yourself is when you've answered a question, you could pause and say, was that the direction you needed me to go? Is there something else or a nuance that I didn't answer that you'd rather I address? That way they can say, oh yeah, there's this one piece that you you know I didn't get from you. Could you tell me about this? Now you don't have a missed opportunity.
0: I had one colleague that spent his whole career in the HR realm and doing placement, recruiting, and training, and so forth. And when um, we worked together a bit on the career transition nonprofit, we had um, what he convinced me to start telling people and i agree was that inevitably if the interviewer says tell me something about yourself that's a giant red flag that the interviewer has not been well trained in interviewing if they were Uh (laughs) the the philosophy was if you were truly well trained you would get that data in other ways you wouldn't rely on that much of an open-ended question to go there
1: well, I am going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a slightly different angle. Um when I've been in the interviewer seat doing executive search, just the, just a couple months ago I I did a CEO search for a very large nonprofit um and we were and and starting off the conversation, I would let my candidates know because some of them would ramble and waste the hour we had. I'll say, "I'm going to ask you on the front end tell me just a little bit about yourself. Give me a quick career arc. I want you to do it in less than five minutes. Then I have eight questions to ask you that are around the skills I need to uncover from you. And I want you to know we have an hour. So I need your help to help me moderate that time so we get through it. Now, now when I ask, tell me about yourself and they talk for 20 minutes, we have an issue with their EQ. Yeah. They have misread the situation. I could not have been more clear about what my purpose was. Um, now, if you have, you know, just a generic junior interviewing team, and each person is saying, "Tell me about yourself," I would agree with you. But yeah. I think you have to gauge your audience and figure out how you're going to answer that question.
0: I like that you know setting up the the situation and and giving them that direction and and you're absolutely right if you give them that context and then they choose to ramble shame on them they've just self selected and and taken themselves out of the running
1: it it has happened and it it happened during this last interview process and i'm trying so hard to stay focused and not have my mind wander i'm like oh no 18 minutes in And they're not even done with their story. And that's not what I need to know.
0: (laughs) I'm chuckling. Something about all this reminded me early, early in my banking career, I got tasked with doing some campus visit on site, you know, to interview college graduates. And for those of you that are listening and have ever done that, you know how grueling that is. It it is a horrible (laughs) day because you're basically booked in 30 minute time slots in these little bitty cubbies that barely have room for two seats and it is just rapid fire and mm-hmm. <clears throat> i I, this is true confession and the statute of limitations is gone and expired. So I'm clear on this, but <laughs> I got done with this and I'm not even going to name the campus I was on, but um, I got done with that day and I had this stack of resumes and I started going back through them and I simply couldn't remember who had said what about what nope. and yeah. out of a whole day. So what about seven hours in 30 minutes? So 14 interviews I had two candidates that stood out in my mind that I could I could definitely recall. And, and, two, and one of them, I, I can even to this day remember a bit, and neither one of them accepted our offer. They could not fathom moving away from the city where their college was, and our yeah. offer was going to require a move. And they didn't want to do it, so it's like, okay, but...
1: So I'm wondering if it, was it their storytelling that grabbed you or was it their presence? Uh,
0: a little bit of both. They they presented, as I re- remember it, you know, they presented just as uniquely different from everybody else. Just they had an, a little bit of edge that uh, I think a popular phrase now is they had their own X factor that they probably were going to be high potential wherever they went mm-hmm. they were going to get it they already had a, a high demonstrated eq and even though eq wasn't even a thing back then mm-hmm. and um, i mean we still wrote with carbon paper back in those days that's how far ago it is <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> well
1: what that makes me think of is um you know within the uh Within Talents Group, when we're doing our interview skills uh, training inside of companies, uh, we were doing, um, we, we created some specifically for Silver Oak Winery in Napa Valley, and they subscribed to Patrick Lencioni's Ideal Team Player, Humble, Hungry, and Smart. So what we did was we helped create questions, not are you humble, you know, we created questions so and trained their team on how to listen for Humility. Because they actually speak these values within their organization. They actually live them out. So it was important to them. So we taught them, how do you listen for humility in the storytelling you're going to get from candidates? How do you listen to whether or not a candidate is hungry for the job that you have for them? And how are you tuning into their EQ or their smarts? Not their intelligence iq but can they read people can they read the room so there are ways that as a candidate you can show up like you probably saw in these people with some humility hunger smarts
0: yeah yeah definitely uh, probably part of it and you know, just in the whole spirit of fairness, I'm absolutely convinced that at that stage of my career, I was probably one of the worst interviewers that could have been (laughs) doing the job. I had to learn a whole lot about interviewing after that fact. And um, I didn't get any prep. I just got the call from HR that said, hey, we need a campus recruiter. You're an operations manager. You deal with people all day long. (laughs) We're going to send you. And I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, And uh, it was one of those kind of arrangements (laughs) So, for you college grads out there that might get a listen to this. uh, Be aware that that interviewer, just because they've got some big global brand on their shirt, doesn't mean they know what they're doing. So. Amen. And.
1: And if somebody is even leading the company, it does not mean that they know how to interview. Correct. Oftentimes, I've, I've spoken with senior leaders who are like, oh yeah, I've interviewed hundreds or thousands of people. I just use my gut. If a person is using their gut, they're not assessing your skills. Yeah. And if you can't showcase your skills that you can do the job, there is going to be a gap.
0: Yeah.
1: A scary gap.
0: Another colleague of mine that, that uh, was in that placement realm with me for a while he had a phrase he said if you're a candidate your ultimate goal is to convince your interviewer how you can help make them or save them money Mm -hmm. plain and simple and you Mm -hmm. might be interviewing for a very technical role or a very administrative role but somewhere somehow that's the ultimate question that is going to be asked and the interviewer may never literally utter those words, but they're looking for skill and ability that that will ultimately do that. You know, right? I like
1: to think of it as in um, incremental, a sliding scale of you know, use a dollar sign, a percentage sign, a numerical sign. Can you scale something up or down? Can you decrease customer service complaints? You know, will that lead to some kind of, I think that you're right on that. I would put a slight spin on it, which is can you solve the problem that they're trying to solve right now? They've got a problem. That's why there's an opening. You have to understand what that problem is. And then you need to communicate that you have the sharp tool to solve the problem. Um, One of my um, favorite conversations I had, I wrote an article um, after an interview with Jennifer Davis of Learfield, uh, Chief Marketing Officer. And what she did was she told me her career story and how she moved through her career transitions through the power of networking and building up her skills with cross-functional expertise. And one of my favorite things she said is you cannot communicate that you can do it all even if you have all that experience. You're not a Swiss army knife. You need to tell them about your sharp tool and get them interested. Then you're like, I've got the knife, but guess what? Now that you like me, I'm gonna also let you know I've got the corkscrew, I've got the screwdriver, I've got the bottle opener. Wow, you're an amazing candidate. But if you show up, I had a woman, a senior leader yesterday, 19 years in her role, confronted now with a career transition, never had to do it before, very emotional. And she's like, I've done all these things at my company for 19 years. And I told her this story. I'm like, you cannot show up at people's door and tell them that you, you're a Swiss army knife.
0: Yeah, yeah, powerful thought. Well, Gina, I'll tell you what, it's time for us to take a quick commercial break and we're gonna be right back after the break. And I'd like to get a little more into some, some war stories and ideas about ways that people can create their own personal brand and show up more effectively for interviews so hang with us we'll be right back
1: business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too and the first step is going to dougthorpe.com dougthorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them you can find health wealth and happiness by learning to lead others to health wealth and happiness Go to Dougthorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com.
0: All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. My guest today is Gina Riley. We've been talking about the need to make a career transition. Either you're sort of self-selected to move on and advance your career, or you've had that involuntary shift and change that's come your way. It, It, So it is so important in today's market, even though it feels like there are plenty of job opportunities, it's still competitive and it's still a sales and close the deal kind of game when you do find an opportunity and get to sit for an interview. But even before that sit down with the interview, Gina, we we were talking kind of during the break about ways that people can promote their brand, build a brand. And and do some things to get awareness so that they might in fact be reached out to to inquire. So what are some of the things you tell people to think about in that realm?
1: Yeah, I call it um, having a thought leadership plan. And so I actively work with my clients. Um again, I, I love tables. I like three columns, or there's something about that. What we do is we we create um, a document where they they list out all the things that they've been known for over time. What do people come to you for now? You know, what are you an ex? What are you known as an expert at? And then the second column, what I do is I have them noodle out the, their leadership approach. You know, how do they approach leading people, teams, mentorship? Maybe subscribing to a particular leadership, um, you know, style. I don't know any of those things that they they really like to wrap their their head around. The third column is about what's the state of the future in your space, in your industry, in your company, um, any of that future-focused stuff. Most of the energy that we spend on creating a thought leadership plan is about what's happening in the future. Because why? You want to create a water cooler of conversation around you with other experts that you can fuel each other's fire, but you're you're dribbling out content, whether it's organic or whether you're sharing articles that, that are fresh off the press and you're adding your own commentary and you're tagging and inviting in people in your tribe to fan the flames of the conversation, you over time will build up a following and known as an expert in that area, whether you know every single bit of it or not, especially if it's cutting edge. You should be putting things out there with humility, saying, I don't know about this, but I sure know about this. What do you all think?
0: What do you say to the person that's maybe mid-career executive? And if you start talking about LinkedIn or anything about social media, they they kind of push back and go, I don't do that. I've You know, for 10 years, it's not been allowed here at the company and I don't have a presence. I, you know, I don't have anything like that going on. What what do you say to those folks?
1: Yeah, I haven't run into too many people who have a company that's put some kind of kibosh on them u- utilizing LinkedIn. Um, so that hasn't been a prevalent problem. Um, I have had some executives who have been in their their lane of expertise for 20 to 30 years, I've had at least two people who only have two connections and no photo and no banner. So I've started at ground zero with these people and I have to teach them how to set up their settings and privacy. We've built from the the ground up. Um, The people that have been on LinkedIn, but not utilizing it much, but that can see the potential. Those are my clients that are now putting their toe in the water and sharing either content they're creating without a whole lot of effort, because some of them have day jobs too. They're just trying to signal that they're an expert, right? So, you know, you, you have to get your toe in the water. And if you're showcasing things that are related to what you do and you're not promoting, Hey, I'm looking for a job or I'm trying to get clients, you know, which is self more self-promotional then it will go a long way. You will attract a tribe.
0: The, the one angle I always told clients to consider is, all right, fine, let's reduce the focus on the social aspect of social media, as in you trying to reach out and make connections. Right. But let's get your story out there so that you have a storefront that recruiters and hiring people will look at if they are on a hunt and i always tell the story and, and i go back i was an early adopter of linkedin i opened my profile in 2005 and uh i think linkedin only had about 800,000 people in the platform at the time and it's obviously grown Tremendously since. Hundred million
1: now,
0: yeah. Oh yeah, billion or more. Uh, but um, that's that's really what I tell people is think of it more as consistent with your brand story. Let's work on your story first. What story are you going to tell? And then let's build this profile with keywords and references and uh, data that will allow that poor recruiter who is banging away at midnight on Sunday, because they've got to give a list of five candidates to their Mm -hmm. client first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. and they find you in one of their searches. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's kind of, I use the phrase, you have to be present to win. (laughs) And uh, you know, it's, it's a way to totally reshape the thinking for that person that kind of shudders and says i don't i don't like to do social media
1: i don't i i realize that linkedin is a form of social media but i see it as a professional website where it is your your duty to yourself to showcase your wares and if you choose not to use it i mean it's free right now it's free unless you want to pay for a, a membership um why wouldn't you use that to the best of your ability Exactly. You know, exploit it. And there's also a featured section. So if you've written a white paper or you've, co- you know, contributed to something, you can showcase that. I write articles all the time and I'll just hit the button and have it be in my featured. People will see who did I interview most recently right. or what, what am I talking about job search t- this month?
0: Right. No, it, it, it is definitely part of the whole placement landscape now. And I, I, I remind people that even to this day, one of the ways LinkedIn really makes money is selling that data to recruiters and placement people because they're, you know, high powered search tools that are packaged and bundled on the backside of that database that the recruiters are using. And the license fee for that stuff is is not cheap. I mean, we're talking five and six digit license fees and, um, but that's where the power of being present on that platform really is and it is less about although it's effective if you use it well for the social connection part uh with a business you know business focus for sure mm-hmm. but but definitely uh something that uh, to me it i I will go so far as to say i think it's really table stakes if if you want to be out there Trying to get placed or progress your career, you just have to be on LinkedIn because I think people are going to go there and check you out for First if thing
1: people do. credibility. Yeah. Absolutely. It's before they even Google. They're gonna, yeah. I mean, uh, the moment someone says, Do you know so-and-so? I pop open the LinkedIn app. If I can't find them because it's John Smith. Then I go to Google and put John Smith company and a title, and then I can back into LinkedIn. But that's where okay. everyone goes. I'm working with someone who I explained also had like two connections and no nothing on the profile. And he's going to be one of the few very successful people in his career transition because he's so networked in our state. Like he know he literally knows everyone. And so we're going to build up the profile, but he's quite resistant. He's like, I don't know if I need it. So much, but unless you're one of those people, (laughs) you need a LinkedIn profile that explains your unique value proposition.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: So the way that I like to think of, you know getting your brand out there and letting that bright light shine is first you have to start with not being the world's best kept secret you have to know know that to be true um and you can't assume people are going to tap you on the shoulder it happens but it happens rarely and especially externally it's not that's not likely going to happen unless you know there's something about your linkedin profile that keeps attracting folks and it can happen okay Okay. However, what you need to do is have that intentionality like we had talked about before about maybe creating the consortium or getting out there and speaking or doing panels. But you don't have to do things that are huge. Like I said, like a TED Talk, you can, you can do things like sharing your expertise through the articles and the things that you're reading. You share it on LinkedIn right. and you invite conversation around it. I like to think of it as, can you create a water cooler around whatever topics you want to be known for? Is it your team leadership and your approach and your philosophy to that? You know, is it um, something related to your functional area of expertise? Is it related to what's happening in your industry? There's so many things that you could be talking about. Double down on a couple of those.
0: Well, Gina, I think we're about up on time here. Tell everybody how they can best get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more.
1: Yeah. If uh, if if you're a listener who's experiencing a career transition or want to plan for one, I have a free resource on Gina Riley Consulting. Um, there's a green button at the top. You can download a free workbook and a video that uh, lasts about a half hour and you get to hear me as an earworm and you can work through the components of a career transition plan. It doesn't give you all the minutiae in between, but it gives you the, the framework So you can get started and it'll ask you key questions that will help guide your process.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, and if you need that info, it's going to be in the show notes as well. So you can just pop over to your resource, wherever you're listening or picked up this episode and, and grab the show note, there'll be the link in there. And I do want to remind everybody, we have this episode also in video form over on YouTube channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Uh, Gina and all her wonderful expertise will be on showcase over there. And uh, Gina, one last time, thank you for sitting in and really appreciate you sharing with us.
1: Thanks for having me. I loved it.
0: Yeah. And folks, I uh, do want to remind you, like I said, we're over on YouTube, so please hop over and join us there. We're on a number of different streaming services, uh, one of which is the IBGR radio network. It's a global syndication of shows. We're being broadcast in 185 countries. So um, if you are interested in being a guest or have a business or leadership story to tell please reach out to me let me know we're always looking for new talent we're lining up the 2023 calendar hard to believe we're there but um, we've already got that in progress looking ahead and would love to have you join us and be part of the show so anyway for now we're going to sign off say goodbye and thank you for dropping in hope to see you again real soon bye-bye You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.